Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 3. Behold my servant who I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. So we're very happy once again to have Brother Michael De Silva with us, and we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to say to us through him. So we'll turn the remainder of our time over as I switch my mic off and yours on. Strained. All right. <laughs> well, it's good to be with you all again today, and uh, trust that what we will consider will be of encouragement to all of us. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin reading. We'll talk about Isaiah 42 in a bit, but uh, I want to read a few verses actually here in Matthew chapter 1. I'll tell you a little story from last year. Uh, we came here in July as well, and when we got home in August, I decided that I needed to start uh, exercising more, so I started to run. And uh, we don't have very good uh, Christian radio programming in Toronto. Not, it used to be a station in Buffalo, actually, but Toronto itself, not much. So uh, we enjoyed the Christian music down here, so I actually was able to get it online. And uh, I'd run every morning, and I'd listen to good Christian music from Orlando, and uh, I tried to instill this on the rest of the family, but uh, they convinced me that listening to news updates on I-4 traffic in Toronto doesn't make any sense. So we eventually gave up on it. However, we were uh, driving a few places this week, and we did have uh, Z88.3 on, and they were talking about Christmas in July. Now, I'm just curious, is this a Florida thing? A little bit? It's an American thing. I mean, I've heard of Christmas in July. We do not celebrate Christmas in July at home. Christmas is my favorite time of year. I understand why you would do it, but I, I, it's definitely aggressive. I don't start Christian music until, or Christmas music until probably November 1st, and it's because 25% of my music on my phone is Christmas music. I do really enjoy it, but I do save it only for that particular time of year and won't, won't go on it any earlier. Now, why did I give you this big, long introduction? Because I'm going to speak on uh, a subject that we would often think about at Christmas time, but uh, I trust that it would be um, still of great use and uh, and that it would be, uh, be to uh, our spiritual blessing. Matthew chapter one and verse number eighteen. This is the birth story of the Lord Jesus. It says in verse eighteen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary was had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, verse 20 will give more to Joseph's story or more to an understanding of what was really going on. But I want to stop there because I like to consider the, 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 this person, Joseph, but I want to consider him from these few verses, verse 18 to verse 19. Now, I would say Joseph, in 99.9999999999% of the case, would have been right in his understanding or thinking of what happened with Mary. This is the one time in all of human history 
when she was actually conceived by the Holy Spirit and the child within her was the Messiah himself. And so Joseph, of course, at this moment, before the angel speaks to him, he is unaware of that. And I want to follow a little bit through uh, what he actually does with the information that he knows. Now, since we're in Florida, Walt Disney is obviously a very famous individual. Uh, out of curiosity, I'm going to test your knowledge. How many children did Walt Disney have? The non-Floridians are the only ones who know. There are two daughters that he had, and I wrote their names down. One was Sharon May, and the other, uh, where is it here? Diane, Marie, and Sharon May. What most people didn't know, so if you didn't even know that he had children, then you won't even know what I'm going to say next. And I thought I was this was the crowd that would actually know the answer to this question, is that of the two children, uh, uh, the first daughter, Diane Marie, was uh, their actual uh, child of Walt and his wife. But uh, Walt's wife was unable to have another child. Uh, the doctors told her that it would be dangerous to try it. And so they adopted a second child, and the second child was Sharon May. Now, Walt made it very clear, because he was obviously famous, he worked very hard with the news media to ensure that in the print, they never established that Sharon was the adopted daughter of Walt Disney. And the reason for that was simple to Walt. It was because that was his daughter. That's how he felt. And I wanted to begin by just uh, speaking about this because, yes, we know the Lord Jesus is the eternal Son of God, but God saw fit to use Joseph to be an adopted earthly father. I know we don't like to use that terminology, but if you follow the genealogies very closely, you'll notice that Matthew talks about a genealogy and Luke talks about a genealogy concerning the Lord Jesus, and both of them are not the same. Why? Because one of them tells us the story of the lineage of Mary, and I believe that's Luke's gospel. And the other one tells us the lineage of Joseph, and that's Matthew's gospel. And here's the really, really neat thing of how God brings the story together. Because Mary was the earthly mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, it would have to follow suit that Mary would have to be a son of David, because it was promised that a son of David would come. But on Joseph's side, if you follow the genealogy, he is not only a son of David, but he was a son of Solomon. And then he was a son of all the other kings of Judah until finally Joseph himself was born. So when, when Joseph adopted the Lord Jesus into his home, not only was he a son of David from Mary's standpoint, but he was now also the rightful king of Israel. Both of them were required. For God's wonderful story to come together. And so we see that in Joseph himself. Now, I would like to focus, I have two very, I think are very tough questions, and I would like to uh, um, ask these questions and hopefully try to answer them today as it relates to this man. The first question that I have is this, what does it mean, Matthew writes about it here, what does it mean to call Joseph a just man? Joseph, if you want to say it, a title, Joseph the Just. I mean, it's an interesting study. There's a Joseph in the Hebrew Scriptures, and he's a great man. And there's a Joseph in the New Testament, and he's also a great man. So there's a lot of connections between this, this particular name. But why is it that Matthew says, very little said about Joseph, but about this man, Matthew says that Joseph is a just man. 
you know, such a phrase we would usually use because someone applies the law fairly. We were talking earlier, I know we shouldn't be talking about in July, but school and students and teachers and principals. Well, if you, all of us, I sure attended school at some point, and uh, we always, I'm sure, loved a just teacher or a just principal. What makes a teacher just? Well, they treat all the children the same. You take a judge in a courtroom, and whether the person is poor or the person is wealthy, when the verdict is made and the judge has to determine sentencing, we in society, do we not like a just judge, whether they're poor or whether they're rich, or whether they have any affiliation with the judge or not? Take a, an elder in a church. Do we not like to see them being equitable and fair? I mean, this is something that is built in the heart of humanity, this desire for justice. The problem is when it sits upon us as humans, we tend to not be very just, right? But it says here that this man was a just man. Now, I'm going to blow your socks, or at least I think I might blow your socks, because if a person is just, there's someone who obeys the law and applies it uh, fairly to all. But in this situation, we have to remember that Joseph finds out they're in a small village. Let me take you back to this era and, and how it, it worked. Uh, Mary and Joseph are basically arranged for marriage. And when this arrangement of marriage comes together, it is as good as being married. It has not yet been finalized, but it's as good as being married. And what they would do, the, the, the male, Joseph in his case, his responsibility between this arrangement and the final consummation of the marriage was to actually prepare their home so that they would have a place to stay, place to live. And uh, I mean, I, I say this to my children, in, in, the, in their generation, what you did was you built an addition on your parents' house. That's what they did. And it was just usually a one room in the back or on the top. And then once it was all completed, then the husband-to-be would go find his wife-to-be. They'd have a great celebration and a party. And then the marriage would be consummated, and that was their home. That, that was the end of the story. So, so in this particular uh, uh, event in, in history, Joseph and Mary have made this arrangement. And in the process of Joseph preparing the home and getting everything ready to go, it becomes aware to him. It appears that he's probably not the first one to figure this out, but it becomes aware to him in the small village that they're, that they're in that his wife-to-be is pregnant. I mean, that's a serious, serious problem. It would always be, a, it's a serious problem today, right? But it was a serious problem then. And uh, the, 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 the verse that I'll bring to your mind, because it says that Joseph was a just man. In Deuteronomy 22 and 23, the, the book of Deuteronomy states that if a betrothed virgin meets a man in a city and lies with him, the two of them shall be stoned. And so the law of Moses had uh, 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 something, a very bold uh, a statement that was made in these particular cases. And it's kind of odd, is it not, that Matthew says that Joseph was a just man because he went against the law of Moses. Does that make much sense to you? Kind of interesting, right? That's why I said I think it's a very, very tough question. Question number one. I hope to answer it in a second, but before I do that, let me just tell you a little story. Um, I don't know how many of you have read Lee Strobel's book, Case for Christ. When I was a, a much younger person, I read through it. It was a really good book, and uh, he tells really good stories. Uh, he was a, way back in the day, he was a court reporter for uh, the Chicago Tribune. And he told a story in the book. I don't know how many of you remember this story, but I, I, I still remember it very well and often we'll go back to it. 
Uh, it was it was on the west side of Chicago. It was on one particular evening. James Dixon's upset. This young man goes to the house of his girlfriend. He brings a gun with him. He's banging on the door, and a shot is fired. 911 is dispatched. The, the father of the girlfriend comes out. They get into a bit of a scuffle, and all of a sudden, a police cruiser arrives. And a police sergeant, his name was Scanlon, he arrives on the scene. He tries to break up the father with James Dixon. And in the scuffle of dividing the two up, he's, he's holding on to James Dixon. And a, another shot goes out. And it hits the police officer at close range into his abdomen. And a long story short, they go to trial and everything is, is pretty simple. They find the, the weapon. It was a twenty two caliber. They find the gun. Uh, James Dixon's handprints are all over it. It's his gun. It was stowed away behind a tree. They go through all the pieces of evidence, and it's just, it is, it is a textbook case. So much so that on trial, James Dixon himself acknowledges guilt. And so the verdict is given. And he's Lee Strobel at the time. I don't even think he's a believer, but he's a court reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and he's writing the story down, and he says, this is a textbook case, pretty simple. They'll probably give me a little small section in the newspaper somewhere deep you know, within it. And uh, everything's done. He goes back to his office, and when he gets to his office, he gets a call from an informant, and the informant informs him that actually James Dixon is innocent. How could it be, right? Now, if you were listening really, really close, um, in the gun that they found, there was one uh, uh, a chamber that was empty. But uh, in the story that I told you right now, how many shots were fired? Got a one and I got some twos. The answer is two. Two shots were fired. So as a court reporter, he started to break down the story. And everything began to unravel. Everything that seemed to be so simple and so clear and so just, all of, these, all of a sudden did not become just. Uh, uh, take, for example, the gun. Two bullets, were, two bullets should have been missing, but only one bullet was missing. You go down the pieces of evidence and uh, you start to discover as you look through it, James Dixon, he, he claimed that he was guilty. But what we didn't know is that the prosecutor said to him that you've spent 364 days already in prison. And if you claim guilt, we'll let you stay one more day. But if we go to trial, we'll put you away for years and years and years. So the man had no choice. He claimed he was guilty because he wanted to go home. And so they went down the line. You know, that police sergeant who received the top medal, it's not the Medal of Honor, but it's a high medal within the Chicago police. He was well decorated. What wasn't known to anyone at that moment or that time, but then became, uh, was revealed, is that the man had what was called a pen gun. Illegal. It looks like a pen, but it has one bullet in a chamber. And that one bullet is a twenty-two caliber. And he was at a party a few weeks earlier showing all his friends this cool, illegal weapon that he had. And so in the scuffle with James Dixon, the bullet shot fired into his abdomen. And the bullet came from his gun. It didn't come from James Dixon's gun. Why did I tell you this story? Well, sometimes when we look on the surface of something, we think we know the answers. It's easy. It's simple. But sometimes it requires you to dig deeper. I would say in Scripture, it always requires us to dig deeper. 
When we read the story about Joseph, Matthew says he's a just man. When I study Deuteronomy, it says that a just man would take this, this, this person who's committed this sin, would send them outside the village, and would actually stone them. And by the way, if you think that's really, really horrible, and it is, let me give you a picture of what it was like to live in a Middle Eastern home. Probably the same today because of all the cultures of the world, the Middle East never changes. They still look the same. They still act the same. They, culturally, they still form almost back to thousands of years ago. In this world, for Joseph's wife-to-be to be found with child was worse than death itself. I know for us in Western world, we think death is the worst thing. But in the Middle Eastern culture, the worst thing is shame. Shame is one tier worse than death. People would say, I'd rather die than deal with the shame of, right? They say when it comes to public speaking, most people would rather die than public speak, right? So we, we have a hierarchy of how we see things out. And so the only way for Joseph's shame and the shame given to his family to be removed would be for Mary to be judged and to be judged outside the village so that when judgment was bestowed upon her, that shame could be released by Joseph and his family. That's kind of the concept. That's, that's the, the mindset of where they come from. But here in the text, Joseph decides, without knowing the angel's words, without knowing conceived by the Holy Spirit, without knowing the greatness of the Christmas story, Joseph, with, with no knowledge of that, is going to make a decision. And you might ask yourself the question, I mean, why would... Why, why didn't the verses get rearranged? Why didn't God tell Joseph at the same time as Mary so that he would know too? I mean, that would be the best way. That's a human way of retelling the story. But I think, while God always has a purpose, I believe that God's purpose in telling the story this way and in revealing his truth to Joseph in this way is that this is the only way we could see that Joseph was a just man. You have to see what he would do before the angel would ever reveal that the child to be born would be the Messiah himself. So what does Joseph do in the story here? Joseph decides to put away Mary privately. This is his own conversation and his own discussion within his mind. He decides, he defines for himself a, a definition of justice. And the justice that Joseph is going to live by is a justice by which he will live with the shame and she will be set free. Now, I don't know. I, I think almost everyone here, if not everyone, is a believer. I, I hope you start to see that this justice definition that he has is a very biblical definition. Yes, I played a little bit with the Moses Deuteronomy, but it was only to show that in the, new, in, in the Hebrew Scriptures, you have several definitions to several subjects. And the subject of justice, you can have strict justice. You can have a justice that says, I pay my taxes, so you pay your taxes too. There's a justice out there that says that uh, uh, you committed this crime to me, therefore you owe me this particular thing. These are forms of justice that we know. And in the Hebrew scriptures, these forms of justices are found. You can find them. But there is actually in the Hebrew scriptures a definition of justice that supersedes them all. And I believe that Joseph could have afforded himself this definition of justice, this definition of justice, or that one way up there. And the one that he goes for that's way up there is the form of justice that God himself shows. 
That's why I had Jacob read those words of Isaiah 42, 1 to 6. Verse 3, when I was young, I used to hear this verse quoted a lot in a morning meeting. And uh, you know what? I, I tried to follow along, but because I didn't study it enough, I had no idea what was going on. Let me, let me read it for you again. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Do you know what that actually means? Because we quoted a lot. I mean, I, at least I grew up hearing people, men in a, prayer, in, in, a, in, a, in a worship meeting, breaking of bread, often quoting these verses or this verse. But what in the world is, is actually going on here? Now, we know Isaiah 42 is the, is the uh, chapter that begins the servant songs of Isaiah. It is the beginning of this idea of a Messiah that will come to represent his people and the Gentiles, one who will bring justice, one who will bring salvation. And here in this verse... We have a bruised reed and we have a dimly burning wick. Two things that we don't have a lot of probably here in North America. A reed. A reed in the, in the Middle Eastern world was used for pens. Uh, in, in Iraq to this day, they're used for building houses and boats. If a reed breaks, it has no value. It's done. You can't put a reed back together once it breaks. Okay, So you, you can't do that. And number two, a dimly burning wick. I don't, we have some candles at home, but if the wick begins to go, um, there's not much left of it. And when it's quenched, that's it. It's not coming back again. And here, the Messiah, in description of who he would be, it says a burning reed he will not break. So it's in trouble, but he won't make it useless, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench, he won't snuff it out. Instead, he will faithfully bring forth justice. So what's this form of justice? This form of justice is the justice that sees the Lord Jesus go to a cross and take away our sins. And this is the form of justice that Joseph decides to enact. You see, Mary, in this story, is actually a vulnerable party, right? She's a female. She's, a, she's in a vulnerable position. And Joseph decides to do, to enact this form of justice that the Messiah was told would enact when he came. How would he do it? Not by covering up sin. I don't want you to have that mistake in any way. It's not, it's not a cover-up. What Joseph was intending to do was to put her away privately and therefore, he would live with the shame forever. You see, in order for justice to work, somebody has to take the pain no matter what. And so Joseph decides this is a real high calling for justice because none of us like to think of this form of justice. Even as believers, I mean, like you do the crime, you pay the time. Well, being in a situation where I, I, I'm in a position to help the vulnerable, the vulnerable committed the crime, but I will actually do the time is something we don't really like to think about. But here Joseph makes this decision before the angel even speaks to him that he will live with the shame and the guilt and he will allow Mary to go free. That's a really, really, really big deal. Doesn't that tell you a little bit about his character? I think it tells us a lot about his character. He is a man of great integrity. He is a man who wants to do the right thing, even if it will be painful. And by the way, by the way, did Joseph, even without the angel speaking, did Joseph live with that shame the rest of his life? And the simple answer is, yeah, he did. You know why I know that? Because when Jesus was in ministry, 
what accusations did they throw at him? Accusations about his father, was it not? That means that entire time, all those years, Joseph, Mary, and the Lord Jesus all shared that shame. But there was no shame about it all, was there? The beauty that she would be conceived of the Holy Spirit. See, today we sing the, you know, whether it's Christmas in July in Florida or it's the Christmas that we enjoy in December. Today we can look in our Christian communities, at the beauty of the Christmas story. And we can look at the Lord and we can look at Mary and Joseph and all that that transpired. But to live in their shoes and to see the world through their lenses and to experience the shame that came, I, I, I think it's co- completely missed often at Christmas time. The suffering that these three individuals would experience because of the grandeur and the miracle of the great story of the conception of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Joseph... Uh, uh, to me, is not a passive mute figure. Rather, he acts as a strong, thoughtful person whose bold decision at a point of crisis saves the life of the mother. Oh, and by the way, her unborn child. You know, if you thought for one moment that Herod was the first that tried to take the life of the Lord Jesus, I want you to think again. I guarantee you there were people in the village and their desire was that she be stoned outside this outside the town? Joseph, by his act of bravery, ultimately saves the Christmas story. Now, yes, God uses all of us, and God is the one overall. But God calls people to do extraordinary things, and we see it played out here in the story. So that's the first part. Oh, my second question. I didn't think I. I thought I would have so much time in the world. This my, my my wife tells me this never happens to me. I always think I never have enough material, and she says you always have too much. So let me let me fly through my last question. That was the first about justice. And the last is, what what, was it easy to apply the definition of justice from Isaiah? And the simple answer to this question is no. It was not easy for Joseph to make this decision. All right? Um, In the English version, it says, as he considered this, or as he pondered this, but the English version, I don't think, does a good justice the Arabic Bible, which far supersedes the English Bible by hundreds and hundreds of years, says while he was disturbed over these matters or while he fumed over the matter. Joseph didn't just like gleebly, well, I don't know, Mary, you know. Like if, if you, you, most of us here are, 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 are married. Many of us here are married. I, I, the, the love you have for your spouse, it wouldn't be one of those moments like, well, well whatever, you know, it's just what it is, right? There, there's real feelings, there's, there's real emotions. And Joseph was a real man who was disturbed by these matters. He was very upset. He fumed over these matters. But Joseph was able to do something. Joseph was able to take that anger and he was able to translate it into grace. And the one who saved us did the same thing. Let me give you a few stories that Jesus told. Jesus told the story of the parable of the great banquet of a man who went out and invited a whole bunch of people. What happened? They didn't show up. You imagine having a big party and you invite your friends and your neighbors and everyone that you think are close to you and nobody's willing to show up. In the story, the man was very, very upset. So what does he do? Does he go and take the, you know, think of Oppenheimer's coming out this week. Did he go take a nuclear weapon and drop it on the city? No. He turns his anger 
And he reprocesses it into grace. And he says to his servants, go out to the highways and the byways and go compel them all to come in. Ah, he took his anger and he translated it into grace. You think of the story of the parable of the farmer who builds and rents out the vineyard to tenants. And then he sends his servants and they mistreat them and they beat them and they stone them and, and they kill some. And last of all, what does the farmer do? The man who owns the vineyard says, I will send my son. For they will reverence my son. I love that story because when I was a boy, I thought, they're not going to reverence the son. Don't you know that? Right? Here's the great story of God. God sent his son. They sent him to a cross. But it's still true. They will reverence his son. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But when you look at that story from the point I'm trying to make now, you, had a, you have a, a man who owned a vineyard who in his anger, he reprocesses his anger into grace. So what does Joseph do in the story? Yeah, he was angry. Yes, you can get angry. You can't be angry and not sin. It's, it's hard for humanity because we usually go, anger does turn into sin because of the next actions we take. But in Joseph's case, he turned his anger into grace and ultimately, ultimately, He looked at Mary's situation and he said, I'll let her go privately. I don't want her to experience that pain. I will experience that pain forever. And it's in that moment that then the angel says, "Ah, got good news for you. But Joseph's going to live the rest of his life with that shame. But he chose it before the angel said anything to him. And so we come to, my time's up, come to conclusion here. I will say this, there are a lot of people who have the name Joseph. Anyone here have Joseph in their name, first or second? Uh, it's because you're not, you're not from Portuguese descent. Everyone that's Portuguese has a Joseph. I have, I'm Michael Joseph Tavares da Silva. The reason why I have the word Joseph is because my grandfather on my mom and my grandfather on my father's side were Joseph. I have an Uncle Joseph from my mother's side. I have an Uncle Joseph from my father's side. If you go to a construction site, especially in Toronto, where there's a lot of Italian and Portuguese, usually make up a big part of the population, and you say, hey, Joe, the the joke was 90% of the people will turn back and look at you. Why? Because Joseph, and by the way, Mary, I can make the same thing. I have an Aunt Mary on both sides, and Mary, Mary, my mother's Mary. They're all Marys. So Joseph and Marys. We get used to the name. But as believers, this is how I want to conclude today. Are we willing to live out to the character? Because Joseph lived to the character of the child that would be born in Mary's womb. You know, we don't often think about it, but I'll I'll leave you this to at least ponder. When Augustus said that the world should be taxed, it did not require the whole family to attend. To this day, it's true. The man usually represents, in the Middle East, represents the legal side of the family. Joseph could have went by himself. He could have signed the paperwork. He could have returned. I'll make this as a conclusion for something something for you to think about. It's very possible that Joseph brought Mary and the unborn child because he did not trust the village. He did not know what they would do without him around. And so he took Mary and Joseph. I think of my sister just soon to have a baby. Be a very odd thing to take her on a donkey or an animal or by foot for miles and miles and miles when she's just about ready to give birth. I believe Joseph brought them 
because he took his job very, very seriously. He was responsible for raising up the Savior of the world. And when the fullness came, God sent his son, and he trusted Joseph to do his part to take care of them. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for your kindness to us. We think of this touching little story, and yet it's a big story, story of a man who was willing to be a just vehicle, a just man. We know very little of him, but from this little, uh, these few verses, we learn a lot about his character. We pray for us as believers that we would uh, live with this character as well, these traits that come from the Lord Jesus himself, how difficult it is to process anger into grace. And yet we pray that in our lives, the weeks to come, uh, if the Lord be not come, that we will learn more and more to do just that. We commit this to you now and give thanks for the Lord Jesus in his name. Amen.